you're listening to The Parent Classroom, a space for quick conversations on how to nurture your child's education. I'm your host, Komal Shah, a former teacher turned consultant who fundamentally believes that every parent has the power to raise their child consciously within the K-12 schooling system. I cannot wait to bring you on this journey. Let's get started. Hello, hello, um, and welcome to another episode. I am going a little personal today, and I'm excited because I'm not excited to tell this story, I guess, but just to reflect on that time and to talk about why I failed as a teacher. You know, I taught for five years in both the traditional public and charter school. And I taught over 700 students. And throughout my five years of teaching, I truly wanted to do best for kids. But I was also a teacher who colored within the lines and didn't always do what's best. And it's actually one of the reasons why I left the classroom. And so I just kind of want to pull back the veil a little bit and and share about that and share why I feel I failed. And a lot of what I'm talking about is, is not from a place of shame or blame. And I think a lot of times as adults, when we're interacting with kids, whether it is as a parent capacity as an educator or as a future parent, you go in wanting to do what's best, right? And sometimes it's so easy to feel the shame around it. And I know that I did too when I was a teacher and an educator, but I also feel that's the best or the most that I knew at the time with with what I had and the knowledge that I had. And so... Let me just start with a quick story. Um, Like I said, I taught middle school. (laughs) So a lot of hormones, a lot of puberty, and lots of girl drama. And I don't know about you, but though middle school also sucked for me growing up, I, I didn't have much girl drama. Maybe I was too much of a nerd, but (laughs) I was maybe reading in the corner, you know, with my book, really didn't understand what makeup or any of those things were. And then when I became a teacher, girl drama was just so prevalent. And I, I I know I'm generalizing here based on a gender. And for the context of this story, I feel I have to share it in that way because it was happening so often. That was my lived experience is that there were just so many students that were experiencing these things from such a young age. So this was in my third year of teaching and I had these two girl students And they were amazing. You know, they had personality. They were strong. They were resilient. They were caring. They were all the amazing things of a middle school student. But they were also dramatic. And (laughs) they experienced a lot. And one day, this was 
third period. So this was after recess. And these two students, who I'm not going to name, walk into my classroom bawling their eyes out. I mean, their eyes are red. Their body language is showing that something went down outside. And there were just tears streaming down their cheeks. And I know it sounds terrible, but at the time I was like, oh my gosh, not again. (laughs) And so of course they run up to me right next to my desk and they go, Miss Shaw, Miss Shaw, you don't know what happened outside. Like, let me tell you. And in that moment, in that very moment, when I reflect back, I went, girls, we don't have time for this. Go to the bathroom, clean yourself up, and come back in when you are ready. Exactly in that tone. And I just remembered that these two students, their shoulders drooped down and they looked at me with such a dejected feeling. And they walked out that door to the bathroom and they did end up coming in, you know, five, six minutes later. I still read, still upset. And they sat down quietly, withdrawn, obviously, and started to do their work. And in that moment, I thought I was doing what's best. Now, for context, I had 28 other students in my classroom who needed my attention. I had a 45-minute to 60-minute block to get a lesson taught, a math lesson taught. And not only was I catering to their emotional needs, I had all the other students that I needed to cater to as well. So there was urgency, right? And as a teacher, so many teachers know that urgency that comes about when you are in this career and in this job. And it's constant. There's always a need that needs to be met. And there always is emotional turmoil. And there are 30 questions being asked to you within 30 seconds. And on top of all the other things you need to get done within that 45-minute to 60-minute block. So I didn't have time to sit down and actually listen to what the issues were at that time. So I did what was best. And a few days later, of course, we repaired that damage by sitting down with not only those two girls, but the other kids who were part of that conflict. And the teachers had a mediation with them. You know, we worked through that. But I can't help to think about that time as a teacher and just go, I failed. In that moment, I failed them. And the reason I failed them is because I invalidated their emotions and their humanness. I was so busy with my monkey mind, probably my dysregulated nervous system, the 30 things buzzing around in my mind that I didn't even have a moment to pause to breathe and go, you know what, girls, I see you and I can see that you are upset and I want to be there for you. And in this moment, I cannot, but if you will give me the time, then I will get back to you right after this class period. 
if I had just validated that in that moment, maybe they wouldn't have left the classroom so dejected. And I'm not sharing this story because I'm blaming myself. I'm not actually. I know that that was the best decision I made in that moment. And I think when you are a adult, whether it's a parent or a teacher, you have many moments like this, right? Where you're busy and there's so much urgency and there's so many other things going on that you cannot respond and validate in that moment. But the reason I failed is that this was not the first time that this happened. This happened constantly. See, emotions are pushed to probably the fifth or sixth rung of the ladder of what's important in school. You know, when you think about our metrics and what we actually measure in the school system, most of us can name it. And if you've listened to my previous episodes, I talk about this over and over again, right? What do we value in our schooling system? We value success, achievement, performance, getting good grades, getting good test scores, striving for college. That's what we measure. And measurement's a very big deal in this day and age because what we measure is what we value. So if you look at our schools and see what we value— When we don't value the emotional health and it becomes one of the latter things, then of course adults are going to respond in that way because they don't have a choice. And I didn't have a choice, right? I was the teacher who colored within the lines, did what was asked of me because that was my job. And that's how I was evaluated and performed. But When I think about all the students I worked with who are 10, 11 years old, I mean, the first thing they need from me is to see them as a human first and student second. But because of the pressure, I didn't get to do that. And I truly feel that I failed. See, we live in such a society of reaction, right? I mean, how many of you have maybe experienced a mental health breakdown later in your life? I have, more than once. And it's because of this reactionary attitude that the external comes before the internal. So I have to continuously strive and achieve and do all these things And then if I have a breakdown, I may have to stop, but I hope it's short because I have to keep going. But I failed as a teacher because what I really needed to do was make that rung of the ladder that was the 10th or 11th spot or whatever I had mentioned before to be the first thing. Because there's this quote that says, emotions are the substance of education itself, right? And so if they are the substance of education itself, if the way we regulate our emotions and our inner world is foundational to the rest of life, the ever-changing achievement changes and major in college changes and life changes, then that has to come first and it has to be validated. And I was given absolutely no space to do that. So failure after failure, I decided that no more of this. I refuse. And 
I did end up keeping emotions and feelings of my students the forefront of their education and their learning. And I made that conscious choice in my classroom and that the way that I supported my students. So this was very important to me. And when I flash back to when I was a student, I know that I also wish that I had refuge in my school, that not only did it feel like a safe space, but my emotions were valued, not only outside of the classroom, but also inside of the classroom, right? And I think when we look at our failures, it's challenging because we want to do better. And I wanted to do better, but I still was frustrated that I could only do what I could do within the confines of the four walls of the classroom, but that so many of my students needed that support outside. And that's something I still struggle with today. You know, when you read um, Mark Brackett's Permission to Feel, it's, it's a book that I read, I think, a few years ago, and it's a great one that I recommend. He talks a lot about the work that he does in schools to bring SEL to the forefront. And one of the things he says is that school culture, right, the district, the schools have to value these emotions, right? Adults have to buy in. It has to be a full effort. It's just like when you work at a company and when they prioritize something, right? It's the CEO and the board of directors and it's the employees, right? And the other people who all have to buy in. And I think one of the reasons I failed as a teacher is because I didn't get those supports beyond what I was doing in the four walls. So that's just a little glimpse of why I failed as a teacher. And, you know, when I look back on this, it reminds me of something. And that is, it reminds me of when, you know, when you're talking to a friend (laughs) and the friend, you know, you're telling them an emotional story and they're listening to you but you just feel so invalidated. You know, maybe they're just asking a bunch of questions or not even questions. Maybe they are giving you solutions, right? And all you want to do is be heard. That is what I feel every student wants, right? They don't want the solution or being shut down. They want to be seen and heard in that moment. And I think every child deserves that. So for any adult out there who has failed in some aspect of the emotional well-being of a child, one, I see you and you are not to be blamed, but I do hope that we can do better for kids moving forward and so that no teacher feels the way that I felt when I was in the classroom. Stay tuned for next week where I'm going to bring on a parent expert and she's going to talk all about how she supports the emotions of her children at home before they even go to school. Until next time, bye. Thank you. Thank you for showing up as a parent, but not only just for yourself, but for your child as you consciously make shifts for their schooling. 
To connect with me, follow at The Parent Classroom on Instagram and join my email newsletter to stay tuned for more resources for you and your child. If you are interested in consciousness and education, you can find my book, Raise Your Hand, A Call for Consciousness and Education, now on Amazon. Till next time, bye.